So I'm excited tonight. We're going to be kicking off uh, a brand new series that I'm super pumped about that we are calling Alcatraz. Alcatraz. And throughout the course of this series, here's what we're going to be talking about. The things in life that seem or feel inescapable. That no matter how hard you try, how hard you fight, how long you live, like it just doesn't matter. There are certain things we're entangled in and there's certain things that we feel trapped by. And no matter what we do, no matter how hard we try, we've just deemed them inescapable. And we're not really any, we're not really sure there's any other way out. And obviously we named this series after the most infamous prison in United States history, Alcatraz. So Alcatraz Island right there, about a mile and a half off of the coast of the San Francisco Bay, in the San Francisco Bay, actually was a military garrison at first. Uh, basically just this military base that uh, was there to fight any bad guys that came in through the San Francisco Bay. But then in 1934, the U.S. Department of Justice took Alcatraz over and turned it into this super max security prison meant to hold the worst of the worst criminals that the United States had to offer. And it was deemed escape proof. It was deemed inescapable. I mean, it was a perfect place for a prison because not only did you have the walls of the prison itself, but then you had a mile and a half on each side of the island of cold San Francisco Bay waters with a really, really strong current that led out to the Pacific Ocean. In fact, when you talk to historians, people back then would have said, yeah, the walls of Alcatraz are one thing, but the waters surrounding it are a part of the prison as well. In fact, part of how close it was to the shore was part of the torture because a prisoner might see the shore of San Francisco and think, oh man, it's like so close, but yet so far. I'm so close to freedom, but yet so far. They deemed it escape proof. In fact, during the 29 years of the prison's operation, 36 people made 14 different escape attempts. Two men tried twice, two of them drowned, and five of them were missing in action, presumably dead, presumably drowned, but they don't know for sure. And Alcatraz ultimately was for the people that they deemed had no hope of rehabilitation. They had no hope. Like these people aren't going to get better, so we're gonna put them on Alcatraz Island. And the unfortunate reality is that for so many of us, that's where we find ourselves. Trapped and entangled by something. And we feel like there's no hope for rehabilitation. There's no hope for better. There's no hope for victory. There's no hope for peace. There's no hope. What in your life have you deemed inescapable? What in your life have you deemed inescapable? Maybe uh, it's your past. That there's things that happen. There's things that you're not proud of. There's things that you did. There's things that you saw. There's things that you were a part of. And no matter how hard you try, you can't seem to get past what happened in your past. In fact, it doesn't feel like your past because it keeps making its way into your future. Or maybe there's a consequence of a decision that you made from your past and it is a constant reminder in your present of who you were and what you did. And no matter what you do or how hard you try, you can't seem to get past your past. Maybe the thing that you've deemed inescapable is your sin or some kind of habit or or some kind of unhealthy addiction that's seemingly just become a part of you. And again, no matter how hard you try, it just keeps rearing its ugly head. The temptation is too strong. In fact, if we're just being honest for just a second, 
Quarantine is the worst thing that ever happened to your battle against sin because in those months when you were at home, no work, no school, you couldn't go anywhere, all of a sudden that battle against sin got a lot harder and you had nowhere else to go and nothing else to do and certain things and certain habits and certain thoughts started creeping back in, didn't they? And they looked better than ever. He looked better than ever. She looked better than ever. It looked more enticing than ever. And for some of you, you feel so discouraged, especially if you're a Jesus follower, because you're thinking, I must be a terrible person if I keep struggling with this same sin. And you're thinking, well, there's no, there's no way out. There's no escape. I might as well just settle and just hope that God is going to keep forgiving me. Maybe for you, it's a secret. It's your secrets that you can't seem to escape, that you've got something you've been holding on to that nobody knows. You're holding on to something and it's weighing you down. And even though it's a secret, isn't it so true? You wish more than anything you could tell somebody. You wish more than anything you could let somebody in on it so that the weight of this thing would be gone. But you're terrified. You're terrified to live in the light because you don't know what they will think you don't want anyone to think there's a kink in the armor, so you just hold on to that secret. It just seems inescapable. It's got you hostage. Or maybe the thing you can't seem to escape is your critics. That there are voices in your life that scream louder than any other voice. There are voices in your life that you are seeking their approval. And no matter what you do, you can't feel like you can win their approval. You're constantly thinking about what they think, constantly considering what they think about you. And no matter how hard you try to ignore them, you can't help but think about what do they think about me? What in your life have you deemed inescapable, your past, your sin, your secrets, uh, or uh, your, the, like your critics. In fact, this might be a great moment right now. This might be a great moment right now to answer that question. Any of those four things or anything in between, what in your life have you deemed inescapable? If you're watching with a small group, if you're watching with your friends, if you feel comfortable, literally push pause on this message right now. I'm not going anywhere and answer that question. Reflect on that question with your journal if you're asking by, if you're watching by yourself. What in your life have you deemed inescapable? And the reason why I want you to take time to answer that question is because I want us to lean in together. I want us to look into the messy parts of our hearts. I want to get beneath the surface and I want to, I want to uncover what the enemy is using against you because here's what you need to understand. A life where you feel trapped isn't the life that Jesus died to give you. In fact, in John 10, 10, in the gospel, Jesus tells us exactly the life that he came to give us. He came to give us life and to give it to the full. That he came to give you and me a fulfilling life, a full life. And whenever you and I are living trapped by something, we aren't living in the freedom and the fullness that Jesus came to offer us. That Jesus wants you to experience freedom from your past that was holding you back so you can take hold of what God has for you in the here and now and step into your purpose. He wants to give you life to the full. Now Jesus wants to free you from the power of sin that holds you back and he wants you to experience the refreshing life on the other side of your sin. He wants you to experience life to the full. Now Jesus wants to free you from the shame that leads to isolation 
and lead you into authentic community where, where grace abounds because he wants you to have a full life. Jesus doesn't want you holding on to your secrets and shame. He wants you living in the light so that darkness doesn't have power over you. Life to the full. But, but hear me. You can't step into the fullness of life that Jesus has for you if you're not walking in the freedom that Jesus died to give you. Fullness and freedom. That's where we're going today. Fullness and freedom. That's what's going to set up this whole series. Fullness. In fact, that's what I'm titling my message tonight. Fullness and freedom. You will never be able to live full if you aren't free. Fullness and and freedom. Jesus came to give you a full life and he died so that you might be set free. And that's exactly what the apostle Paul talks about in Galatians chapter five, verse one. In fact, if you have your Bibles, I would love for you to turn there with me or your Bible app or whatever you use. Um, We're going to put it up on the screen though, if you don't have it. But Galatians chapter five, verse one, the apostle Paul writes this, and this is going to kind of be like our anchor verse for the entire series. This is what he writes. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. So stand firm then and do not let yourself be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. A little bit of context is helpful here. What Paul is talking about in Galatians, kind of the overall theme of his letter to the Galatian people, is he's talking about law versus grace, the tension of law versus grace. And every Jewish person in the first century that was trying to follow Jesus would have felt this tension, law versus grace. The law was the Old Testament law, the Mosaic law, some 600 plus commandments that you had to keep in order to keep right standing with God. That was the law. And every Jewish person was expected to keep the law. But Jesus came and he said, hey, listen, you can't keep the law. In fact, the reason why they had to keep sacrificing animals in the Old Testament was because they could not keep the law. So Jesus said, okay, hang on. I'm going to come and I'm going to be the perfect standard that you can't be. I'm going to live a perfect life. I'm going to meet that perfect standard of the law that you are incapable of meeting. And then I'm going to die as an ultimate sacrifice for your sins, past, present, and future. And on the third day, I'm going to rise again and finally defeat the power that sin and death has over you. And so Jesus said, hey, I'm going to come bring something brand new, a new way of relating to God. You don't have to be good enough. I'm going to be good enough for you. All you have to do is receive this free gift of grace. So we're not saved by any work that we do. We're saved solely on the basis of the work that Jesus did. But this was the constant tension for the Galatians and a constant tension for Jewish Christians in the first century. They wanted to, they were drifting from the grace that was offered to them through Jesus and drifting back into a performance standard of trying to be good enough for God and keeping the law, even though they could never do it perfectly. In fact, what was happening was they were allowing themselves to be enslaved enslaved by the law, even though Paul writes that Jesus has already set you free from that. That your right standing for God with God isn't based on how good you are. It's based on us believing in the one that was good enough and his name is Jesus. And so for you and for me, the same is true. We've been set free. The idea is that we've been liberated. And the reason why Paul writes such an obvious statement, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. 
It's such an obvious statement, but it's because they were free, yet they were not living in the state of being free. Come on. For so many of us who have put our faith in Jesus, we've been set free. We literally, our state of existence, our state of being is that we are free. Intrinsically, that is true of every Jesus follower. Yet we walk around enslaved to so many different things, even though Jesus has already set us free from it. What is the freedom of Christ? I want you to write this down if you're taking notes. This is really, really helpful. The freedom of Christ, the freedom that Paul talks about, the freedom that Jesus offers you and me is this. You ready? Write this down. Freedom of Christ is this. Freedom from anything or anyone that holds you back from the grace of God. That's the freedom that we get to live in. That's the freedom of Christ. That's what the series is about. Freedom from anything or anyone, any past, any sin, any secret, anyone, any critic, any naysayer. It is freedom from anything or anyone that holds you back from experiencing the grace of God that what was true of us is that we used to be enslaved by our sin and that was a personal Alcatraz. But Jesus set us free. That we were once held back and held down by our past and defined by our ability to perform. But Jesus met us where we were and now grace abounds. That we were in a place where we were stuck in isolation and in darkness because of our secrets, but now grace meets us right where you are. Jesus came and he lived and he died and he rose again to set you free, to extend to you grace so that nothing and no one would be big enough to get in the way of the grace of God that has been extended to you in the name of Jesus. In fact, this is a really helpful question to answer. In fact, here's another opportunity for you just to push pause on this message and talk about this with your small group. What have you deemed more important or not more important? What have you deemed more powerful than the grace of God in your life? What is it that you have deemed more powerful than the grace of God in your life? What do you think in your life, a past, a secret, a sin, what do you think is bigger than the grace of God in your life? If you can answer that question, then you have identified not only a personal Alcatraz, but you've identified an area that Jesus so desperately wants to set you free from. Because here's the reality. There is nothing bigger than the grace of God in your life, period. There is nothing bigger than the grace of God in your life. There is no sin too big. There is no secret too big. There is no past too big. And there is no person too big that is bigger than the grace of God that he is extending to you through Jesus. This freedom that we have that leads to the fullness that Jesus promised is a byproduct of the very grace of God. And I love what James, the very brother, I keep running into my table. James, the very brother of Jesus, what he writes in James chapter four, verse eight. This is huge. You can turn there or just read it on the screen if you don't want to turn there. James chapter four, verse eight says this. Uh, excuse me, not, not six, six, not eight, six, two back. Here we go, people. We're still okay. We're on video, but this is real, okay? Chapter four, verse six says this. God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. God shows, God opposes the proud. He sets himself against the proud, but he shows grace 
to the humble. You know what a proud person does? Um, A proud person never admits when they're wrong. A proud person never admits that they need help. A proud person thinks that they can handle it all on their own. A proud person thinks their way is the best way. A proud person never comes to God for help. A proud person thinks all they have is all they need. But you know what a humble person does? A humble person admits when they're at fault. A humble person admits when there's a struggle. A humble person knows when they are not capable on their own. A humble person comes to God and says, I can't, but I know you can. And what James tells us is when we have that humility to come to God, it is the humble in spirit that God then gives grace that the grace of God will meet you where you are and free you from whatever it is that is holding you back. You've got a past that's holding you captive. Here's what you need to hear tonight. There is a grace that redeems. You've got a secret or a sin that you're not proud of, that you're ashamed of. You need to hear tonight that there is a grace that forgives you fully and completely. No questions asked. It doesn't define you anymore. You've got a habit that you just can't seem to shake, a struggle that you can't seem to get past. You need to believe tonight that there is a grace that wants to empower and strengthen you to fight that sin and fight that struggle and see victory over that struggle because sin is no longer your master. We're gonna talk about that later in this series. If you're living with a legalistic mindset where you're constantly trying to be good enough for God, there is a grace that says, stop striving. And if there's a person's voice that is constantly louder in your life than any other voice, you need to know tonight there is a grace of God that approves of who you are because you are a son or a daughter of the most high God. And your identity isn't linked to what anybody else says. It's linked to what God says about you. And they sent Jesus to die for you, that the grace of God meets you right where you are. Come on, can I just be real for a second? The more I follow Jesus, the more I realize faith isn't about striving to try to get more. It's about by faith taking hold of what God has already made available to me. And I'm telling you, through Jesus, God has made freedom and fullness by the way of grace available to you. I want you to write this down. The fullness of life is found in the freedom of Christ. The fullness of life that you've been looking for, the fullness of life that's been missing, it is found in the freedom of Christ. Another way you can say it, you can write this down too. You can live full because Christ has set you free. You can live full because Christ has set you free. And so Paul closes out this passage and he says, so stand firm. Stand firm, he says. That word stand firm literally means firmly committed in conviction or belief. Firmly committed in conviction or belief. That the rest of this series, we're going to practically work out what it looks like to stand firm on the foundation that is Jesus. To stand firm on the foundation that is Jesus grace, to not drift back towards captivity of whatever that thing is that wants to hold you captive, but rather standing firm and living in the freedom of Christ that he won for you. But we have to start at the baseline tonight. 
because standing firm on the wrong foundation does nothing to you. It does nothing for you and it does nothing for me. We've got to stand firm on the right foundation and it has to be Jesus. It has to be Jesus. His will, not ours. His way, not ours. It's all about his work, not ours. Because here's what's true. And this is for a Jesus follower or not a Jesus follower. You can't stand firm if you don't surrender first. You want to stand firm on the foundation that is the grace of God? Watch this. You can't stand firm if you don't surrender first. And you might be a Jesus follower right now and, and, and you've surrendered your life to Jesus, but man, there's certain areas that you've been enslaved to sin or some secret or so something is holding you captive and it's time for you to surrender whatever that is to Jesus so you can begin to stand firm in what he's won for you. What is that thing that you've been holding on to? You can't stand firm if you don't surrender first. Or, or maybe you are a Jesus follower, like you, you, you've, you've committed your life to Jesus, but it's been quite some time when you've actually lived like it. That you've allowed yourself to drift away from the thing that you know is true and from the one that can save you. You can't stand firm unless you surrender first. And then there might be some of you in the room or wherever you are, not in this room, but wherever you're watching from, that you've never surrendered your life to Jesus. And maybe in this moment right now, this is your opportunity to surrender your life to Jesus. And there's not like a magic way to do it. It's simply you. Maybe you do it right now in your heart in this moment where you just tell God, hey, I can't do this on my own. I know I can't handle this on my own. I need somebody bigger. I need somebody more. I need Jesus. Maybe it's just you crying out to God in this moment saying, hey, I need Jesus. I need a savior. I can't be free on my own. And if that's you wanting to surrender your life to Jesus, will you let us know? Or maybe you talk to the person that invited you to watch this because he wants to lead you to fullness and freedom by way of the grace that he's extended to you. He came to die for your sins and then he rose on the third day to free us once and for all. But you can't stand firm if you don't surrender first. On June 11th, 1962, three men carried out the most elaborate escape plan from Alcatraz prison. They uh, made paper mache heads and even put hair on it that they stole from the barber shop. They, they pulled apart a hair dryer and turned it into a drill with a drill bit that they found that helped them kind of slowly get through the back cement wall of their cell. And they stole 50 rain jackets and turned it into a life raft and escaped Alcatraz. Now they were never found. And the official report says that they're presumed dead but two of them are still on the FBI's most wanted list because no one is totally sure. Even the inescapable Alcatraz was escapable. And we want, what we want you to, to know right now in this moment is that even though it doesn't feel like there's any way for you to escape that thing that seems inescapable, you need to know that there is an escape plan. There is an escape plan and his name is Jesus. That God set this escape plan in motion when he sent him into this world 
to live a perfect life and to take your place and my place on the cross. And then he defeated death, freeing you and I forever. Jesus is our freedom. Jesus is the escape plan. And we can live full because Jesus set us free. But one really, really important distinction as we kind of talk about Alcatraz and the printers of Alcatraz and you and me, there's a massive difference between us and the criminals that were at Alcatraz. There's a massive difference between us and those criminals that tried to escape Alcatraz. That those criminals, they broke a law and they were imprisoned and justifiably so. But for you and for me, it's different because we are pardoned under grace. We are blameless under grace. You and I are different from those criminals because we are free under grace. And the fullness of life that Jesus wants to offer you is right there. It's available. You can live full. You can experience full because Jesus set you free. So let's stand firm on the solid rock foundation that is Jesus. He extends you and I the grace to free us from whatever it is that we've deemed in escapable. Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you that he did the heavy lifting. Thank you that he did the work to set us free. And thank you that because of Jesus, whatever it is that we've deemed inescapable isn't escapable, isn't inescapable at all. It's actually very escapable. Because by definition, we are free. So Father, by the power and in the name of Jesus, I pray that chains would be falling off tonight. I pray students would be liberated tonight. I pray students would stop trying to strive to gain something and by faith take hold of what Jesus has already won for them. That we are children of God. That you look at us and see sons and daughters. That you love us and that you've extended grace towards us. And I pray that it is in that grace and by that identity that we believe in the freedom that is ours. The freedom that Jesus won for us. We love you. And it's in the matchless name of Jesus that we pray. And it is in the matchless name of Jesus that we are about to sing. Amen.